Section 24 of the History of Chemistry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Chemistry by Thomas Thompson. Volume 1. Chapter 7. Of Glauber, Lemery, and some other chemists of the end of the 17th century. Hitherto I have treated of the alchemists, or iatrochemists, and have brought the history of chemistry down to the beginning of the 18th century. But during the 17th century there existed several laborious chemists who contributed very materially by their exertions, either to extend the bounds of science or to increase its popularity and respectability in the eyes of the world. Of some of the most eminent of these it is my intention to give an account in this chapter. Of John Rudolph Glauber, the first of these meritorious men in point of time, I know very few particulars. He was a German and a medical man, and spent most of his time at Salzburg, Ritzingen, Frankfurt-on-the-Main, and at Cologne. Towards the end of his life he went to Holland, but during the greatest part of his residence in that country he was confined to a sickbed. He died at Amsterdam in 1668, after having reached a very advanced age. Like Paracelsus, whom he held in high estimation, he was in open hostility with the Galenical physicians of his time. This led him into various controversies and induced him to publish various apologies, most of which still remain among his writings. One of the most curious of these apologies is the one against Farner, to this man Glauber had communicated certain secrets of his own, which were at that time considered as of great value, Farner binding himself not to communicate them to any person. This obligation he not only broke, but publicly deprecated the skill and integrity of Glauber, and offered to communicate to others, for stipulated sums, a set of secrets of his own, which he vaunted of as particularly valuable. Glauber examines these secrets and shows that every one of them possessed of any value had been communicated by himself to Farner, and to put an end to Farner's unfair attempt to make money by selling Glauber's secrets, he in this apology communicates the whole processes to the public. Glauber's works were published in Amsterdam, partly in Latin and partly in the German language. In the year 1689, an English translation of them was published in London by Mr. Christopher Pack, in one large folio volume. Glauber was an alchemist and a believer in the universal medicine, but he did not confine his researches to these two particulars, but endeavored to improve medicine and the arts by the application of chemical processes to them. In his Treatise of Philosophical Furnaces, he does not confine himself to a description of the method of constructing furnaces and explaining the use of them, but gives an account of a vast many processes and medicinal and chemical preparations which he made by means of these furnaces. One of the most important of these preparations was muriatic acid, which he obtained by distilling a mixture of common salt, sulfate of iron, and alum in one of the furnaces which he describes. He makes known the method of dissolving most of the metals in muriatic acid, and the resulting chlorides, which he denominates oils of the respective metals, constitute, in his opinion, valuable medicines. He mentions particularly the chloride of gold, 
and from the mode of preparing it, the solution must have been strong. Yet he recommends it as an internal medicine, which he says may be taken with safety, and is a sovereign remedy in old ulcers of the mouth, tongue, and throat, arising from the French pox, leprosy, scorbute, etc. Thus we see the use of gold as a remedy for the venereal disease did not originate with Monsieur Cresson of Montpellier. This chloride of gold is so violent a poison that it is remarkable that Glauber does not specify the dose that patients laboring under the diseases for which he recommends it ought to take. The sesquichloride of iron he recommends as a most excellent application to ill-conditioned ulcers and cancers. We see from this that the use of iron in cancers, lately recommended, is not so new a remedy as has been supposed. He mentions the violent action of chloride of mercury, obviously corrosive sublimate, and says that he saw a woman suddenly killed by it, being administered internally by a surgeon. Butter of antimony he first recognized as nothing else than a combination of chlorine and antimony. Before his time it had been always supposed to contain mercury. He describes the method of obtaining sulfuric acid by distilling sulfate of iron, gives an account of the mode of obtaining sulfate of iron and sulfate of copper in crystals. The method of obtaining nitric acid from nitre by means of alum was much improved by him. He gives a particular detail of the way of obtaining fulminating gold. This fulminating gold, he says, is of little use in medicine, but he gives a method of preparing from it a red tincture of gold, which he considers as one of the most useful and efficacious of all medicines. This tincture is nothing else than chloride of gold. It would take up too much space to attempt an analysis of all the curious facts and preparations described in this treatise on philosophical furnaces, but it will repay the perusal of any person who will take the trouble to look into it. All the different pharmacopias of the 17th century borrowed from it largely. The third part of this treatise is peculiarly interesting. It will be seen that Glauber had already thought of the peculiar efficacy of applying solutions of sulfur, etc., to the skin, and had anticipated the various vapor and gaseous baths, which have been introduced in Vienna and other places, during the course of the present century, and considered as new, and as constituting an important era in the healing art. In the fourth part, he not only treats of the dosimastic processes, so well described by Agricola and Erkern, but gives us the method of making glass, and of imitating the precious stones by means of colored glasses. The fifth part is peculiarly valuable. In it he treats of the methods of preparing lutes for glass vessels, of the construction and qualities of crucibles, and of the vitrification of earthen vessels. Another of his tracts is called the mineral work, the object of which is to show the method of separating gold from flints, sand, clay, and other minerals by the spirit of salt, muriatic acid, which otherwise cannot be purged. Also a panacea or universal antimonial medicine. This panacea was a solution of deutoxide of antimony in pyrotartaric acid. Glauber gives a most flattering account of its efficacy in removing the most virulent diseases, particularly all kinds of cutaneous eruptions. The second and third parts of the mineral work are entirely alchemistical. In the treatise called Miraculum Mundi, his chief object is to write a panegyric on sulfate of soda, of which he was the discoverer, 
and to which he gave the name of Sal Mirabile. The high terms in which he speaks of this innocent salt are highly amusing, and serve well to show the spirit of the age, and the dreams which still continue to haunt the most laborious and sober-minded chemists. The Sal Mirabile was not merely a purgative, a virtue which it certainly possesses in a high degree, being as mild a purgative, perhaps the very best, of all the saline preparations yet tried, but it was a universal medicine, a panacea, a cure for all diseases. Nor was Glauber contented with this, but pointed out many uses in the various arts and manufactures for which, in his opinion, it was admirably fitted. But by far the fullest account of this sal mirabile is given by him in his treatise on the nature of salts. I shall satisfy myself with giving the titles of his other tracts. Every one of them contains facts of considerable importance, not to be found in any chemical writings that preceded him. But to attempt to connect these facts into one point of view would be needless, because they are not such as would be likely to interest the general reader. 1. The Consolation of Navigators This gives an account of a method by which sailors may carry with them a great deal of nourishment in very small bulk. The method consists in evaporating the wort of malt to dryness and carrying the dry extract to sea. This method has been had recourse to in modern times, and has been found to furnish an effectual remedy against the scurvy. He recommends also the use of muriatic acid as a remedy for thirst, and a cure for the scurvy. 2. A true and perfect description of the extracting good tartar from the lees of wine. 3. The first part of the prosperity of Germany, in which is treated of the concentration of wine, corn, and wood, and the more profitable use of them than has hitherto been. 4. The second part of the prosperity of Germany, wherein is shown by what means minerals may be concentrated by nitre and turned into metallic and better bodies. 5. The third part of the prosperity of Germany, in which is delivered the way of most easily and plentifully extracting saltpetre out of various subjects, everywhere obvious and at hand, together with a succinct explanation of Paracelsus' prophecy, that is to say, in what manner it is to be understood, the northern lion will institute or plant his political or civil monarchy, and that Paracelsus himself will not abide in his grave, and that a vast quantity of riches will offer itself. Likewise, who the artist Elias is, of whose coming in the last days, and his disclosing abundance of secrets, Paracelsus and others have predicted. 6. The fourth part of the prosperity of Germany, in which are revealed many excellent useful secrets, and such as are serviceable to the country, and withal several preparations of efficacious cates, extracted out of the metals, and appointed to physical uses, as also various confections of golden potions. To which is also adjoined a small treatise, which maketh mention of my laboratory, in which there shall be taught and demonstrated, for the public good and benefit of mankind, wonderful secrets, and unto everybody most profitable but hitherto unknown. 7. The fifth part of the prosperity of Germany. Clearly and solidly demonstrating, and as it were showing with the fingers, what alchemy is, and what benefit may, by the help thereof, 
begotten everywhere and in most places of Germany. Written and published to the honor of God, the giver of all good things primarily, and to the honor of all the great ones of the country, and for the health, profit, and assistance against foreign invasions of all their inhabitants that are by due right and obedience subject unto them. 8. The sixth and last part of the prosperity of Germany, in which the arcanas already revealed in the fifth part, are not only illustrated and with a clear elucidation, but also such are manifested as are most highly necessary to be known for the defense of the country against the Turks. Together with an evident demonstration adjoined, showing that both a particular and universal transmutation of the imperfect metals into more perfect ones by salt and fire is most true. And withal, by what means any one that is endued with but a mean knowledge in managing the fire may experimentally try the truth hereof in twenty-four hours space. 9. The first century of Glauber's wealthy storehouse of treasures. Many of the processes given in this treatise are mystically stated or even concealed. 10. The second, third, fourth, and fifth century of Glauber's wealthy storehouse of treasures. 11. New chemical light. Being a revelation of a certain new invented secret, never before manifested to the world, this was a method of extracting gold from stones. Probably the gold found by Glauber in his processes existed in some of the regions employed. This at least is the most natural way of accounting for the result of Glauber's trials. 12. The Spagyrical Pharmacopoeia or Dispensatory In this book he treats chiefly of medicines peculiarly his own. One of those on which he bestows the greatest praise is secret sal ammoniac, or sulfate of ammonia. He describes the method of preparing this salt by saturating sulfuric acid with ammonia. He informs us that it was much employed by Paracelsus and von Helmont, who distinguished it by the name of Alcahest. 13. Book of Fires. Full of Enigmas. 14. Treatise of the Three Principles of Metals, viz. sulfur, mercury, and salt of philosophers, how they may be profitably used in medicine, alchemy, and other arts. 15. A short book of dialogues, chiefly relating to alchemy. 16. Proserpine, or the goddess of riches. 17. Of Elias the artist. 18. Of the three most noble stones generated by three fires. 19. Of the purgatory of philosophers. 20. Of the secret fire of philosophers. 21. A treatise concerning the animal stone. John Kunkel, who acquired a high reputation as a chemist, was born in the Duchy of Sleswick in the year 1630. His father was a trading chemist, or apothecary, and Kunkel himself had, in his younger years, paid great attention to the business of an apothecary. He had also diligently studied the different processes of glassmaking, and had paid particular attention to the assaying of metals. In the year 1659, he was chamberlain, chemist, 
and superintendent of apothecaries to the dukes francis charles and julius henry of lauenburg while in this situation he examined many pretended transmutations of metals and undertook other researches of importance from this situation he was invited by john george the second elector of saxony on the recommendation of dr langelot and counsellor voked as chamberlain and superintendent of the elector's laboratory with a considerable salary from this situation he went to berlin where he was chemist to the elector frederick william after whose death his laboratory and glass house were accidentally burnt from berlin he was invited to stockholm by charles the eleventh king of sweden who gave him the title of counsellor of metals and raised him to the rank of a nobleman here he died in 1702, in the 72nd year of his age. Kunkel's greatest discovery was the method of extracting phosphorus from urine. This curious substance had been originally discovered by Brandt, a chemist of Hamburg, in the year 1669, as he was attempting to extract from human urine a liquid capable of converting silver into gold. He showed a specimen of it to Kunkel, with whom he was acquainted. Kunkel mentioned the fact as a piece of news to one Kraft, a friend of his in Dresden, where he then resided. Kraft immediately repaired to Hamburg and purchased the secret from Brandt for two hundred rix dollars, doubtless exacting from him at the same time a promise not to reveal it to any other person. Soon after, he exhibited the phosphorus publicly in Britain and in France. Whether for money or not does not appear. Kunkel, who had mentioned to his friend his intention of getting possession of the process, being vexed at the treacherous conduct of Kraft, attempted to discover it himself, and after three or four years' labor, he succeeded, though all that he knew from Brandt was that urine was the substance from which the phosphorus was procured. In consequence of this success, phosphorus was at first distinguished by the epithet of Kunkel added to the name. Kunkel published, in 1678, a treatise on phosphorus, in which he describes the properties of this substance, at that time a subject of great wonder and curiosity. In this treatise, he proposes phosphorus as a remedy of some efficacy, and gives a formula for preparing pills of it, to be taken internally. It is therefore erroneous to suppose, as has been done, that the introduction of this dangerous remedy into medicine is a modern discovery. Kunkel appears to have been acquainted with nitric ether. One of the most valuable of his books is his treatise on glassmaking, which was translated into French, and which till nearly the end of the 18th century constituted by far the best account of glassmaking in existence. The following is a list of the most important of his works. 1. Observations on fixed and volatile salts, potable gold and silver, spiritus mundi etc also of the color and smell of metals minerals and bitumens this tract was published at hamburg in 1678 and has been several times reprinted since two chemical remarks on the chemical principles acid fixed and volatile alkaline salts in the three kingdoms of nature the mineral vegetable and animal likewise concerning their color and smell, etc., with a chemical appendix against non-entia chymica. 3. 
treatise of the phosphorus mirabilis and its wonderful shining pills together with a discourse on what was formerly rightly named nitre but is now called the blood of nature four an epistle against spirit of wine without an acid five touchstone de acido et urinoso sale calido et frigido six ars vitraria experimentalis seven collegium physico chimicum experimentale or laboratorium chimicum end of section twenty four